0: Welcome back everybody to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me as always, my co hostess Victoria Monday and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Andrea Perrin is joining us once again. We've had her on the show many times. We always have a wonderful and fantastic discussion. But what we wanna talk about today, at least a, a good chunk of it is she was recently on the Shadow Dimension docu-series talking about the old uh, farmhouse, and it was just absolutely phenomenal getting to hear some of her stories and then actually visiting the house and investigating there and experiencing it for myself. So, Andrea, welcome back to the show.
1: Oh, it's so great to join you, Mike and Victoria. You know I'm crazy about you. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it is so... It's so easy for me, you know, when my father even said it today, I mean, I was shipping books and shipping books mm-hmm. and shipping books and and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like that, like that book. <laughs> um, right. uh, yeah, gobs and gobs of them going out, out they go. And because uh, I've done three events right in a row, like mm-hmm. right in a row. And I have another big one coming up this weekend and then Asperger. the following weekend. Yeah. Yep, I'm mass paracon and then uh, the UFO contact in Houghton Lake Michigan. Uh, and you know so this it turned out is my busiest month of the year. And I and I dare not even say that because I don't even know all that October holds for me yet. I think I <laughs> forgot to write some things down on my calendar Uh-oh. for October. I'm afraid I'm really afraid. It
0: happens. It happens.
1: It does. I think I have to open up a church. I'm a minister now. And somebody asked me to open up the church for Casadega after they had all of its, uh, it all redone. And so, um, and I don't know the date on that, but I know it's a Sunday and those are all free <laughs> on the calendar. So that's okay. <laughs> I'll find out. Um, but, um, uh, my father said to me as he was getting ready to take another load of books over to the post office. He's like, uh, I said, Oh, by the way, I have a, I an interview with Mike Ricksecker tonight, and he's like, oh, that'll be the easiest thing you
0: do all day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's right.
0: He's like, uh, yeah,
1: you sit there and you chat with your friends. Oh, that's tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love your father. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's we fantastic. need to get him on the show, like a joint show with the two of you. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. yeah no, no. You, know, you won't if do I that? I spend
1: enough time with him, really, honestly, <laughs> God. No, I'd be happy to bring him on anytime. I would. Absolutely, and in fact, I'm sorry I had to lean over to close the door just before, just as you started the show, and I'm like, oh God, you know, they're already on, and I, you know, and I'm moving across the screen, and Peanut had to settle down in her little princess palette, and I wasn't, I wasn't quite prepared. I was on the edge of the rabbit hole, just getting ready to jump. (laughs) But if he um, let the party begin, that's my Lenny right there. That is my (laughs) Lenny. She's mine. Her husband thinks otherwise, <laughs> but I am telling you that chick is mine. <laughs> um, but uh, no, if he stops in to just you know wave good night, I'll I'll drag him in and, oh, and let great. him say hi, because he thinks the world of you, Mike. Uh, he really does. And Victoria, you have yet to meet him, I think.
2: Just have you online. met? Not just in person.
1: A, not in person. Yeah. yeah so uh if if he stops by before he goes off to bed then um i'll drag him in say hi
0: that would be great absolutely. <sighs> so well like i said at the beginning of the show uh i asked you to you know take part and share in the shadow dimension docu-series which was released this past may i interviewed you back in the fall um i think it was just after i had uh, been out to the farmhouse first time i went through it i was out there with carl and keith and uh, it was an an amazing time and here we'll put up a there's there's the farmhouse there and i had a number of interesting experiences there um one in particular in your old bedroom Mm -hmm. where over by the um by that interior window where i suddenly got lightheaded and kind of what i wanted to do for today's show was talk about some of those different things that you have but i also had a lot of people contact me about uh about your interview segments that there were uh bits and pieces and stories in there that they hadn't yet heard from you before and i want to play i have a couple of clips i want to play throughout here so uh i want to play this one clip from you uh about the energy there and the energy that you girls supplied to the house. Like this was a really interesting clip that people have commented on a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and play it here real quick. I think it's
1: an absolutely mystical, magical, miraculous place that is alive with energy. And, you know, I firmly believe having studied philosophy, I got a degree in philosophy because of living in that house. I think that. Everything is energy. Everything that exists is energy. And before there would be a manifestation in the house, our electric bill would go through the roof, and then there would be a major manifestation, and then it would drop back down into normal range. They'll draw the energy from wherever they can get it. I think that one of the reasons why the house was so active while we were there was because we were five little, extremely energetic children who brought that into the into the house
0: so absolutely that was absolutely fascinating the you know the observation that you had with you uh you girls bringing that energy to the house
1: well the only observation i have about that clip is i'm so glad my hair looked good
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh you looked beautiful for that interview Tonight it is hidden.
1: Oh my God, it's got so much sea and salt air in it. It's like, um, uh, you know, I firmly uh, believe what I said. Um, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about you, Mike, is, is you draw out, um, you help me to uh, verbalize my own conceptualizations. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you pull that out. You don't ask, you know, garden variety questions. You literally plunge feet first into the hole. And so consequently, because it is, it's the nature of the questions that you ask that prompt the um, responses that you get, which is what makes you such an extraordinary interviewer um, just across the board. I mean, I I don't even have time to watch most of what goes out there in the world that has anything to do with me. And I not only I watch you for you. I watch you oh, for you. you.
0: <laughs> That's sweet. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I do, because you are um, really among the, the very best in the field at your craft. And I know Victoria knows the same thing. She's. <laughs> Thrilled to be paired with you to do this show. Oh,
2: yeah. I just sit back. I just let him. I let him do it. <laughs>
0: oh, you, uh, Victoria actually does that. Ask, she asks a lot of fantastic questions. There are some shows where it's like I'm a little off my game, but Victoria is boom, boom, boom on it. And yeah, uh, she's got you know, it. She's got yeah. it going. Yeah.
2: No, we, we're, she, she we're a good team. He's like my big brother, even though I'm, you know, a year or two older.
0: Yeah, a year or two. Yeah. Well, you know it is.
1: Uh, you know, speaking of energy, it's it's the energy that you two bring to your show that um, is is such a highlight and is and and makes for some you know very memorable podcasts. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's our friend Diane.
2: Yeah, oh, um, I love Diane.
1: And uh, Alyssa, Alina, Al Alina, Alina,
0: Alina. Um, yeah. yeah Yeah, she's our moderator yeah so Uh, she posted the link to your website down there which is uh, thank you alina
1: very sweet very sweet um yeah and people can reach me at um my email address too which i normally don't put out but i know you have a you know a great following of of people that are um you know really in the field not just those that crawl up from under rocks and and hop around the paranormal world and see what they can find and then you know uh, but um if anybody wants to uh reach out to me directly uh, my website is one way but i get a lot of garbage come across my website too so i accidentally deleted a message today from a guy named will something and i don't know if he'll ever write back to me again and oh, i think no. he wanted me to do a show and <laughs> and i you know and i accidentally deleted it because i get like 1200 pieces of garbage a day in my trash and i was moving too fast and i accidentally deleted his message and i don't know how to get it back so i'm just hoping you know maybe if he's listening tonight um but uh, if anybody wants to write to me directly it's lowercase bathsheba b-a-t-h-s-h-e-b-a one six eight zero at gmail.com so that's my uh direct email and Thank i never check sure. the other email accounts. so really if you want to reach out to me that's the only way you're going to get you me go. i'm just uh you know i'm i'm not a person everything that i do i do personally uh, you know my dad said to me today there's going to be a day when you're selling a thousand books a week, you know, through orders off your website, once you hook it up to take orders and you're not gonna be able to do anything else. And he said, you're gonna have to get a stamp. And I said, absolutely not. Nope, I won't do it. (laughs) I write to every person that orders a book from me. I send them little love gifts in the package I write them a note or a card or a letter. Uh, I inscribe the books personally to them. You know, Mike, you know, you see, you've seen me in action plenty of times. It's, oh yeah. It's um, it is that personal connection with people that is is so important to me. And if I were to lose that, then you know what's the point of you know doing what we're doing? I just have to be careful because. I have I have literally thousands of messages on Facebook from five different pages that I might not ever see because I I can't sit for hours and hours and answer messages on Facebook I can't anymore I have to travel and I have to and now that I'm all vaxxed up and and ready to hit the road again it's uh you know it's a lot it's a lot and I've been on the road since. Um, I've been on the road for a while now. I've lost track. I went to California. (laughs) Too many
0: weeks to keep track of.
1: I know. I made a documentary in uh, Joshua Tree National Park Ah. uh, about the galactic family, which I can't wait to see how that came out. I can't wait. All I know is that we had about 24 people. And a couple of times we got a collective gasp where everyone saw the same thing. And, you know, oh, I'm so glad Jolene, Mwah. Mwah. She abandoned me on Facebook. Jolene, like, blew oh. off of Facebook. Oh. I don't know where she <laughs> went or why. I haven't had a chance to ask, um, you know, but this weekend what I was, I did a Strange Escapes with Amy Bruni and Adam Barry. Uh, over in St. Augustine, which was phenomenal because, you know, there were people there that I had not met before. And so really starting with a fresh crowd uh, is very exciting. It's, it's like um, feeling renewed. You know, I don't have to worry about, oh, did I tell them this before? Did I tell them <laughs> that before? I can tell them anything and it's new to them. And that's exciting to me. And that generates its own energy, coming back to the, you know, the notion of energy. Um, but yeah, in terms of the clip that you used, um, I really do think that one of the reasons why the house was so activated was partly because five kids moved into it. Um, and for years and years before we were there, it was just Mr. Kenyon. And before that, it was just, um, him and his wife or he and his wife Ooh, no we it's this language not gonna get you on we're yeah we're not gonna get, gonna get, get you on grammar it. tonight <laughs>
0: <laughs> but andrew you're supposed to be a writer yeah yeah i know i you know screw
2: it that's all
1: right uh, so uh anyway um and so you know it was a relatively i think you know a relatively quiet home and then we moved in um And also, but I also think that it has something to do with the fact that the Kenyans were the last of a long, long line of one extended family that had lived and some had died in the house uh, or around it or near it. Um, And um, we were the first outsiders that ever came. Right. No, we were there's no familial uh or genetic or ancestral ties that we could ever find to the Richardsons or to the Arnolds. Um, but it was interesting that my sister Nancy uh dated Eddie Richardson. Um oh. and he uh yeah, I wrote about him extensively, I think in volume three. Uh, and they were, I mean, they were just thick as thieves, those two, they were just so, so close. And and we all just assumed that Eddie and Nancy would get married, we did. Um, and it had a very sad and a very tragic end when um, Eddie took his own life. And he was, oh, yeah. I think, 22 years old when that happened. Um, and so it's, uh, and he, when he would come to the house the house would go nuts it's like oh, wow. you know his original his ancestors the family that followed roger williams down from the massachusetts bay colony you know he was a part of, a, of the original rhode island colonists uh his ancestors were and when eddie would walk in the house the things that would happen i mean and, and it was routine It was not something that just occasionally happened. Whenever he was there, the house became very active and like almost responsive to him.
0: Um, So, you seem to remember those family connections. In
1: some way. In some way. Well, you know, I've always said that, you know, the cast of characters in House of Darkness, House of Light is extensive both living and dead but the house has the lead the house has uh an incredible energy of its own that i don't know if it's accumulated energy if it's residual energy if it's because it's built on an aquifer or you know or what i don't know what it is but you know mike having been there. You have to admit, there's something about that
0: house. Oh, there, there absolutely is, and there's a, um, a couple more clips that uh, that I wanted to play for you, or maybe we we'll just do one more, mm-hmm. and then there's a photo that I want to show you because um, right. I I believe with the photo uh, I did capture that energy. But let me play for you this this other clip where we talk about the energy and yeah the house is built on the aquifer but you have that that well room down in the basement yes. with an open mm-hmm. well just the way that's built so this one has uh cory heinzen in it and uh, i have some commentary by our good friend uh, johnny enoch in there as well so let me go ahead and play this clip real quick
2: this room was actually the dairy room um this was actually the cleanest room in the house when the arnold's lived here uh for about eight generations that they lived here Um, That's why you have the granite, then you have the limestone that's covering, covering the bricks and stuff like that, then you have the slate floor, I mean, because this had to be the cleanest room in the house.
0: It's absolutely fascinating to me that directly below where Carolyn got thrown during the Sands Gone Bad, which is also directly below where Carolyn stood when she saw the Colonial Family, is an open well surrounded by limestone and granite. Granite being 55% quartz. This is like a perfect setup for a powerhouse of energy. When we look at a site that already has energy coming through it, maybe from ley lines, uh, you know, these sort of places that have a spring or a well underneath them. And then when you combine that with granite, granite is this conductor of insulator of electromagnetic energy because of the silica, because it works like those silicon microchips, that this is basically magnifying that energy. It's amplifying it. And these entities can just come through. They can manifest a lot easier. So it's really the theory that I'm working with right here is that that room, and, and of course, all of the, you know, events that happened over the years, but, but that well room is like its own little power generator, and perhaps that's one of the things that's powering the house, and perhaps also retaining the memories of the house as well. What do you think, Andrea?
1: I think that that's highly plausible, and in fact, probable. Um, you know, the whole entire cellar is just built with huge slabs of granite. Um, there's horsehair plaster in between these stones. Um, it is, uh, it's is—it's a fascinating space down there. Um, I particularly am drawn to uh, the, well, I, I, let me tell you that some of the experiences, the experiences that we had in the cellar, we the children were either in the well room or they were in the root cellar, um, mm-hmm. which is all the way to the back, um, to the left before you go up through that huge big door up into the woodshed. So, um, and the root cellar was always, you know, very. Uh, when we got there, it was very tidy. It was there, you know, there was there was really no junk laying around. That was not Mister Kenyon's style. Um, You know, he kept the place uh, uh, very sparse. He had very little furniture um, and he uh, and everything was organized. Everything was in its place. Uh, You know, kind of uh, old Yankee um, stock. Truly. Um, Every like uh, for every (laughs) like. This show gets
0: a taco, finds a new home.
2: <laughs> How do I like it? Wait, I'm. I, don't uh, like it.
0: <laughs> I, I you yeah, know, you can't I, like it through Streamer, but those on YouTube can hit the like. And yeah, a Taco gets a new yeah. home, according to Nicole, so.
2: yeah. I already liked it. <laughs> I love it.
1: Um, you have such a, a great following, and you know, really wonderful people that are involved with this show. Awesome.
2: Yeah, um, thank you. They're a cut above, I think. Sorry, but yeah. I, I think they're a cut above.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think that that's um, highly plausible. Uh, there was also a spring that ran from across the street, a natural spring that ran right through the cellar, and there was a cistern uh, where it would fill up the water um, that could, you know, then be heated and um, oh. during the uh, the. Blizzard of 78 they brought in some very very heavy equipment to clear the roads and um, and it crushed the road there um, and caved oh, wow. in part of the spring so it diverted the water uh, in, in in a strange way um, but yeah it was uh, it, it was just water water everywhere and granite everywhere and the stone wall that surrounds the you know the the yard proper which is about six acres and all the stone walls and you know the stone walls seem to have a life of their own but we would um we would go into the well room and the floor would literally vibrate there's a story in the books about cindy um going into the well room and feeling like she was actually being pulled down the well like it was some kind of a vortex that was literally, and we don't know how deep that well is. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's been able to measure it that I know of. Um, and there's still water in it. And, you know, my father is like, you girls stay away from that. And he put a very uh, large slab of stone on it to cover it. I mean, we, you know, we had animals. We were yeah, afraid, now it's and open God now. forbid, you know, that one of our cats would, you know, go just... Oh, yeah get too curious and we would lose them. There was also a well on the back of the property um, too that was next to the old cellar hole. Uh, there was just um, a lot of water anomalies and um, and also a lot of lightning. When there would be uh, a thunderstorm, I maybe it was the topography, I don't know, but it would that place would attract lightning like like it was in florida i mean really it was a real it was it was amazing the thunderstorms that would pass and then almost get stuck there like they'd come and they'd stay and they would just strike and strike and strike wow. the river uh that ran behind the house and you we'd get lightning strikes where all the hair would stand up on your arms you know it was really bizarre and when they would come through my father and i would go running outside because you know of course there's nothing more exciting than a good old-fashioned thunderstorm and my mother would scream at us (laughs) to get back in the house i mean scream at us you two are gonna get killed what's wrong with you yeah you're gonna hit by lightning right yeah yeah yep she was sure we'd be struck she was sure of it and yet you know here we are
2: could it be all the quartz around that attracted the lightning because i know yosemite um gets so many lightning strikes and i think that's high in quartz too isn't it
1: mm-hmm. i have so many beautiful pieces of quartz that seemed that i gathered at the farm while we lived there oh that seemed to literally work their way up to the surface of the ground. Hmm. Like there there wouldn't could be walking through the backyard one day and you wouldn't see anything. And then the next day, it's almost like a gift was starting to protrude from the surface of the earth.
0: Oh, Do you nice. still have some of that quartz?
1: Yeah, it's all over my desk.
0: Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, then let me ask you this. Do you think some of that energy from the farmhouse has been retained within the quartz that's on your desk right yes. now?
1: Okay. That's why I have it.
0: That's why you have it. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I never give
1: so, my my stones away. I never no. gave any of my stones away. I am a stone collector and always have been um, my whole life. And so is my mother. And so are all my sisters. Um, and in fact, um when we lost April uh she had she always wherever she went in life, she always brought all of her stones with her and so um we um collected all of them from her yard and took them to my mother's house and they live there now and when I say they live there, I mean that I feel like there's mm-hmm um that stone has consciousness it's just a consciousness that we don't understand um and it doesn't mean that they are oh oh, greg we'll meet greg yes we will you know like for instance this piece this is
0: oh that's beautiful
1: yeah it's it's one of my very favorite pieces and it i've had it for many many years and it grows it's different now than when i first found it it it's spikes are a little longer and they're absolutely perfect protrusions and and you know this one here that wasn't there when i first got it you know i i think of of stone as being alive um and um, i also was given a a rare and beautiful gift which i don't have right now because i considered it a healing stone and so i left it with my mother um when i was up there a few weeks ago and i will gather it back um the next time i go up but a friend of mine a producer but who is also a friend of mine um, went to um There were extraordinary crop circles in England this year, absolutely off the Mm -hmm. charts crop circles. And she went to one that had just dropped the night before. She and her partner were the first ones out there and there were four stones in the center of it. And these were not indigenous to the area. They were not indigenous to England. Um, They were different. It looked like there was something embedded in each one of them. And she said, you know, I'm coming to, she's the one I I met out in California to make the documentary. And when I got there, she walked over to me and she put this thing in my hand and closed my hand. And she said, I brought you a very special gift. And I opened my hand. I'm telling you, this thing was pulsing. It was changing colors. It It looked like it had something almost like a seed in the middle of it and it had three sides and it looked like um a pyramid it looked just like a pyramid um and um
0: yeah that's fantastic
1: yeah and so i know that they were left for her to find Mm -hmm. and that i was supposed to have one of them and it's a, a very rare and precious gift so uh yeah my mom's got it right now she needed it more than I did, but uh, I will get it back and it will, you know, go with my collection. I wish you could. (laughs) I wish if, if, if I wasn't going to completely disrupt everything on my desk to turn (laughs) it around and show you the top of my desk, you would be so impressed with my collection. You would, but yeah, there's something about stones and it's an ancient thing. It's Mm -hmm. just an ancient thing. It it touches something at, at the core of me. I never go anywhere that I don't collect a stone when I'm up in Northwest Michigan, I make sure I go find a new Petoskey stone, which are very rare and you only find them in Petoskey, Michigan. They don't exist anywhere else on, on the whole planet, you know? So yeah, you know, uh,
0: when I was a kid, cause I, I enjoy collecting stones too. When I was a kid, on Lake Michigan, I was there with, with my aunt and her friend and, uh, and her son and you know, we're getting some stones. We're getting some I got, I found fossils Ooh, on yes. Lake Michigan. It was amazing. Yeah. But, um, Sarah Yusuf has actually threw a question down in here for me, but it's pertinent because she asked, Mike, do you still have that quartz piece? And what's interesting is, you know, Andrew, you've been sitting here talking about the quartz from the farmhouse. And just before, like within two days, of leaving to go to the farmhouse last september was september 20th that i was there so it's almost exactly uh a year ago um out in my backyard now we have like a little you know kind of rock garden area that borders the house and i'm always out there feeding the birds and everything i'm always looking out the window watching the birds but this one particular day just before leaving for the farmhouse all of a sudden out of nowhere here's this piece of quartz that's just down there amongst the rocks. It's like, where in the world did that come from? Because they're all just like you know, regular generic stones, but all of a sudden kind of magically appeared, here's this piece of, piece of quartz, and you right now are talking about all this quartz from around the farmhouse. So I just, I love these type of connections.
2: Do you still have it?
0: I do. It's in the other room. And so yeah, that's what Sarah was asking. Do I still well, wait, have quartz? Of course, I, I still have it. I'm not going to
2: go get her. <laughs> okay yeah
1: well that's the word that's the apropos word connections right you know and and I don't even know I don't I don't even need to know what the relevance or the significance of it is Um, because the gathering of stones or sometimes the pilfering of stones The borrowing of stones. (laughs) The
2: appropriation.
1: The appropriation of
2: stones
1: (laughs) touches something in me that is so deep that feels absolutely ancient in me. And I don't know what it is. And my mother said that it comes from the Cherokee blood that pulses through my veins. Hmm. She said that you know she grew up doing the same thing uh, that her mother did before her, and her grandmother did before her. You know, there were always, you know, gardens of rocks and stones. I remember going when I was five years old to my mother's old home place on uh, uh, They were sharecroppers, tenant farmers, and they had what most people would consider a shack it was a house but it was uh, you know not what most people would consider a, a proper house it was just a wooden um cabin uh, a four-room cabin for a family of six wow and um <clears throat> and a big front porch and i remember and two magnolia trees on either end of the porch And the house was literally falling in on itself, which was a terrible shame. But I did get to walk into the place where my mother was raised. And I was just a little itty bitty thing. Mm -hmm. And when we came out, I remember seeing a stone that caught my eye and I was wearing shorts with big pockets. And I started walking around all around the front porch between the two magnolia trees. And I was probably twice my weight by the time we left (laughs) the house. And I remember thinking that my father would not appreciate what I was doing. So I snuck over to the car and I took them and I put them all up underneath the driver's seat you know, from behind where he wouldn't see them and he wouldn't know they were there so that when we got back home, I could offload all my rocks and (laughs) and he would never know that I had done it. uh, Only that he just got worse gas mileage going home than he got coming. Um, And I still have all of them. I have thousands of stones that everywhere I have ever gone in my lifetime, I've brought something back of the earth with me.
2: That's funny. You mentioned that. Cause I used to go hiking when I was in Arizona and I would climb mountains and I would pick up rocks, beautiful rocks out there. I learned to get them only when I got to the top and down, because it was just too hard to go up the mountain with all these rocks. Mm-hmm. So I pick them up on the way down, but same thing. I have all these rocks, yeah. red rocks. are Fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think that it's, it's, it's part of our It's part of our inner realm. It's part of our ancient DNA. You know, when you think about, it is, it Mm -hmm. is. And when you think about all the magnificent structures around the world that have been built from stone, Mm -hmm. hewn stone and shaved stone and, you know, uh, all the arrowheads, the artifacts, you know, my mother's got a collection my sister, Cindy, too a collection of arrowheads and artifacts that are amazing. And my mom uh, was an archaeologist and a curator of a museum for years. And she uh, would go on dig sites uh, around Massachusetts and Connecticut. Uh, There was one particular dig site in Rehoboth that was such an extraordinary find. They dated things at that dig site back 10,000 years
0: wow you
1: know, yeah That's yeah amazing. so you know and she and she's got a few pieces of clay pot and stuff like that from there and you know and I think that it's a way for us to to reconnect with our ancestors mm-hmm. and connect with the earth um in in a, a really mm-hmm. sentimental way you know the little artifacts that we keep of our travels and and that type of thing. But I also think that stone harbors energy and it conducts energy.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you mentioned going into some of these ancient buildings and sites. And I just know this past summer from being out in Egypt, you walk into those buildings and you absolutely feel the energy off of that Mm -hmm. stone. Of course, most of those buildings are granite, but um, yeah. But since we are talking energy again and we were already previously talking about the energy there within the house, there is a photo that I do want to show you I captured there at the house. Uh, It's looking for it. It's a uh, second floor looking from the middle bedroom toward your old bedroom. And you see this unusual shifting uh, that's going on. Let me go ahead and post the, the photo and you can see everything i don't know how well you can see it uh oh i can see it yeah everything in the front like the bed the chair the rug all that's perfectly clear once you get to that doorway everything starts to shift to the right and what is bizarre to me is the exterior window not the interior one but the exterior window that's actually behind the wall you can see that in full form on the chalkboard yeah it's absolutely amazing to me i've had several people look at this photo and they just they can't believe their eyes and to me i think this is a capture of that energy it was just right on the other side of that window where i started feeling lightheaded while i was filming uh keith johnson and i had to hand him the camera and and uh you know take a moment there to recollect myself but you know, I, I know you've seen many things uh, there, Andrea. This is where you know Carl saw the the smoke coming from that doorway, and I know you've seen things like that around there too. What do you think of it uh, when you see something like this? I mean, is this that do you think maybe this is that type of energy that uh, you are experiencing there, you and your family?
1: Well, you know, I've always um, described the farm as a portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that there is a lot of shifting, a lot of moving. Um, you know, I don't even sense that there's, um, any kind of being associated with that. I think it's just, you know, I saw things like that many times, um, living. It was almost like like my eyes were a camera, a camera, and everything suddenly went out of focus for a moment, and then we come back, uh, and we just we got used to it. We learned to live with it. It was almost like we were either being projected back in time, or there was something there that wanted to present, and that was as much as it could. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're you know we're all guessing, really. Um, right. Yeah, I tell people all the time, please don't ever call me an expert in the paranormal. There <laughs> is no such thing. There just is no such thing. Um, but you,
0: but you were experiencing things like time slips there, so yes. you, you think this. This energy and I, I always love that term portal cleverly disguised as a as a farmhouse That's what I ended up titling uh, the, uh, the I think it's the third or fourth episode of the shadow dimension. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is it, you know, maybe through this energy that things are moving interdimensionally, you know, from from one yeah. place in time to another from one place in the universe to another and coming to that farmhouse.
1: Yes, it's, it was not only alive with death, it was, it was, it was, it was like a series of dimensions that existed there simultaneously. And we would shift from one to the next and then shift back. And sometimes it was very quick and sometimes It seemed to take its time Um, and you know it's like I tell people you know I didn't write the books from the moment that we step on the property to the moment that we leave from um, you know partially into volume one to about halfway through volume three. It's the stories are intermingled like smoke um just wafting off a fire pit and just interconnecting in, in lovely ways and dancing you know and sparks and embers flying with no seeming order and i know that it's a challenge to read it because of that for those who are only able to think linearly you know to just everything's got to be chronological well that's not the way it felt living there And it's not the way I was compelled to write the books. I wrote more about, you know, with the expectation that, you know, anyone would understand that everything I wrote happened within the 10 years that we lived there. Um, And that they would understand the timeline, you know, at the end. But that it was uh, more about the type of energy, the type of manifestations, the kind of haunting. That was happening. So each chapter is broken down into a series of subchapters that goes deeply into this. And you might see references in chapter three that you'll also revisit in chapter six or chapter seven. And what I want my reader to do is go, wow, how many times did that happen? No, just pause right. and reflect on it for a moment. Now, uh, how many times did that happen? You know, a case in point would be Cindy um, hearing the voices over and over again. There are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. It never even occurred to us that it might be the stone walls outside. It never occurred to us um, that that was, you know, Corey and Jen that kind of extrapolated that out. Um, and had somebody go and you know put those the radar thing into the ground and start mm-hmm. searching for anomalies underground. Um, but when I was writing the books, she came to the house one day, and I was toward the end of volume three, and I was trying to get her story down, her um, her essay, and uh, I she wanted me to do it as a Q and A. Um, that it would be easier for her than writing it herself because she thought that she'd be able to respond to my questions more effectively. And at one point I asked her, "Sin, how many times did you hear the voices telling you about the seven dead soldiers? And suddenly her eyes just welled with tears and she looked up at me from the sofa and she said, thousands. And it just knocked me back in my chair. You know, I was just trying to type as fast as she was speaking Mm -hmm. to capture everything that she shared. Um, But thousands, uh, you know, we never knew the sense of timelessness that we had living at that farmhouse was something that, even though I know it's challenging. Um, you know, for those that get it, you know, that really get where I'm going with this, um, they appreciate being knocked back on their heels. They appreciate the challenge because I really do firmly believe that that's part of the process of opening the third eye. Um, and it seems to me that the more you allow yourself to just experience the story with the framework of that farmhouse around it the more you have the same sensation that we did living there you know we didn't know if it was 1976 or 1842 or 1787 when these manifestations occurred You know, we could barely even place them according to the kind of clothing that some of these entities were wearing. And they were so different and they were from different time periods. And we don't know if they were related. Only one spirit in that house ever self-identified. Only one. And it was the little boy that April made friends with. And he told her that his name was Oliver Richardson and she said that he died when he was 5 years old. And those were I was the original family that built that farm and through marriage it became the Arnold estate because women early then back then were not allowed to own property.
0: Right, right. Now, Victoria, I've kind of dominated the the question so far, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying
2: uh, it. No. I, you're enjoying I it? Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I'm well, being a spectator. But uh
0: no. No.
1: All right. That's I'm fine. I'm drinking uh, a yeah. <laughs> do... Michigan mug that I stole oh, from there my you father. Go. It was <laughs> one of his birthday presents. And I'm like, no, I like that. That's mine now.
0: Nice, nice. Well, we do have some questions from the chat room that I uh want to go ahead and put forth here then. Uh from Brennan 1243. Annie, do you think that if another family of seven moved into the house without the knowledge of its history, the manifestations would be the same or different?
1: I don't know. Um, I think there is something very magical about that number seven. Um, And it keeps popping up over and over and over again. It took me seven years to write the books. Um, You know, that wasn't planned. That's just how it worked out. Um, I don't know. I think that every group of people will bring their own energy to it, their own different individual energy to it. But I think that that would probably activate the house more. I know that when Corey and Jen have their kids there, the house is more active. Um, the more people there, the more the spirits, I think, have an opportunity to draw energy from the living beings around them. Um, but children particularly seem to uh, I don't know if it's because they w- were sucking the energy out of us, or if we would if we just had an ability to see them more clearly than adults, you know, who have a tendency to pinch that third eye closed as they become adults, um or if it was a combination of the two. um, uh, but there's something about kids being at that house. And when we had friends over, And sometimes we had a lot of friends over. Um, It it would get very active. I mean, it would sound like bodies were dropping on the floor overhead and doors were slamming and lights were going on and off. And I never knew if it meant get the hell out or, oh, it's party time. You know, I mean, (laughs) you you just never knew what it was responding to, why it was reactive. You know and i mean the house why the house was reactive um and how many spirits were present in it simultaneously or if they just kind of came and went or if they were always there but once they were able to build up enough energy to actually manifest and form you know and make their presence known that way um that they would do that but i mean there was there was almost a vampiric quality about the place I mean, we would we would come in the house and we'd be having as a family off having a wonderful day doing all kinds of things, you know, out on the pond or swimming down at the creek or, you know, going sledding or whatever. And we would come back in the house and it, it was like we all went into a coma simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, mom would come in expecting that, you know, she would start dinner and but everybody had to just lay down for a while. The house, there was almost something oppressive about it. And I often wondered if it was a way that we were just being punished for having left it for any period of time. You know, and there were times that we would go away for a whole day, we'd go to Rocky Point or we'd go you know, out on on the ocean. You know, we'd go away for an entire day <clears throat> and we would come home and that house would smell like it had 10 corpses in it. Oh, wow. The rotting stench of death. Mm-hmm. We'd have to open up every door, every window, no matter what time of year and clear the smell, the odor of death in that house. Oh, um And it would happen predominantly when we would go away and be gone for a period of time and then come home. And it was, it felt like punishment, it did. And it would make my father very angry and very disconcerted. And we could have been having a wonderful day where there was a lot of laughter and light and love. And we would come home and suddenly, dad was in a horrible mood and everybody scattered to get away from that negative energy. And there would be something that would inevitably happen that would set him off. And and my mother would get very anxious and uh, the, the whole dynamic of the family would change. The whole mood of the family would change. Hmm. Um, and then everybody would just find a place to crash and we would sleep. It's, it's very strange. You know, I can't tell you how many times I went to school exhausted in the morning, absolutely exhausted. And you know, even the the bus driver would say, "Did you get any sleep last night?" You know, my teachers would be like, "You know, are you okay?" You know, and I couldn't say, "Well, you know, there was something pacing around in my room all night long. I couldn't sleep." You know, I was watching it, keeping an eye on it, so that. It didn't disturb my sisters or go after my parents. It would, you know, it Yeah, you couldn't
0: say things like that back then.
1: No, well, you know, I did say a few things like that back then. And I was a straight A, goody two-shoes student Mm -hmm. that almost got expelled for for talking about it. And so I shut my mouth.
0: So what do you feel when you go back to the house now? (sighs) Ah, joy. Yeah.
1: The sense of peace and calm and being so welcome and i know how much the spirits appreciate me when i finished the final draft of what was supposed to just be one book it was in march of 2010 i had started writing it in um, august of 2007 and i went to the house and i showed the current uh, the the former owner who shall not be named um what i had done um and you know she praised my effort she knew very well that Mm -hmm. i was writing the story of the house even though she said publicly that i never told her anything about it or that there was ever going to be a movie or i I
0: saw youtube videos of you two walking through the house together talking about the story so yeah yep yep. i know
1: yeah apparently she Mm -hmm. forgot that we made those or the movie coming or any of that i guess she (laughs) forgot um but um yeah um that was the first time that i went back to the farm that i felt like i was literally being embraced like embraced by the place like good job you know good job and that you know that you did that you told our story and i did tell their story to the very best of my ability you know it wasn't the trilogy wasn't written to be history books it's a memoir and it's a collective memoir of my entire family You um, had input into it. I didn't print a word of it until every story that involved each and every one of them hadn't been read through to make sure that it was as accurate as it could possibly be. You know, all that mattered to me was that the truth come to light, that, be, that it be authentic and that it be accurate to the best of our recollection each individually and I accomplished that but the thing that it the telling of the story actually accomplished with you know the multitude of readers that have been through it now i published the first book more than 10 years ago i mean i don't know where that decade while, went yeah. but you know i mean more than 10 years of march of 2011 is um. when the first book came out and what it has done for people, I think, more than anything, is that it has liberated them to tell their own tales,
2: okay, to let me tell ask you their
1: it. own experiences. Go ahead, Victoria.
2: It sounds like, from everything you've been describing, the house needs a certain level of euphoria, and the children would bring it in. You know, it's like Christmas morning, and we're opening up all the packages, and when you're gone it didn't have that level. So when you came back, I don't think it was punishing you. It was just drawing on what it needed. Does that sound right?
1: Well, I don't know because (laughs) I don't know because, you know, we visited the house many times, um, when Mr. Kenyon was still the formal owner. Mm -hmm. Um, and none of us ever remember seeing anything, smelling anything strange, uh, you know, seeing any interdimensional, anything, mm-hmm. you know, I just, it, it was, there was nothing untoward about the house. It seemed the metamorphosis of the house occurred when we were there.
2: But maybe and it was happy to see you, you know, and it just, it drew off that. It was glad to see you. It's like your family's coming home again.
1: I know that my mother had to ask permission for the house to let us go. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And I never want, I thought I would live in that house my whole life. I did. It never occurred to me that my parents would sell it. And it certainly never occurred to me that they would sell it during my senior year of college where I was working on a thesis and taking a bajillion courses and cramming everything into my brain that I could in my senior year and without even consulting me without even letting me know that they had put it on the market i didn't get a call well nobody ever called and the house was very very fairly priced under market Hmm. and it ended up um being that uh my dad went and met with the abutting landowners and gave them the deal of the century just to offload it because my mother said that she wouldn't survive another winter there, that she had to go. And uh, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. I couldn't believe that that house was sold out from underneath me when I thought that that was my birthright and my legacy and that our family would just live there forever and half of us never wanted to go back and half of us never wanted to leave and selling that farm fractured my family. We never lived together under the same roof again when we left it because Nancy was so angry that she refused to leave. And yet when um, she went to the new owners that she was their primary babysitter, and she went to them and she said, I know you want to do some work to the house. I'll stay there indefinitely as the caretaker. Because they lived, as the crow flies, like a mile behind the house oh, in Massachusetts. Okay. So, you know, it was labor taking two large pieces of property and putting them together. And so they said, oh, that's great. Well, Eddie moved in with her. Eddie Richardson moved in with her. Um, After we left, I was 21. She was 20. Um, and what had been a peaceful, loving, uh, truly uh, engaging relationship in every conceivable way. We just all knew Nancy and Eddie were gonna get married. There was just no question about that. Um, He, uh, that house changed him. Mm. And he became violent, uh, physically abusive, verbally abusive. Wow. nancy had to end the relationship and she told him he had to leave and he got in his car and drove up to mabel elvison's house up on west road about a mile and a half from the farm and shot himself and it was horrible it was horrible it was just absolutely devastating for the whole family uh because we felt like he was a part of our family Mm -hmm. and he was one of the last of the richardsons and almost everyone in his family had died very bizarre tragic deaths very bizarre deaths um including um one of his sisters uh had been decapitated by by the uh falling out of a boat And getting sucked up underneath the engine, the wheels right on the the lake that I lived on, that I lived on Waterman Lake in Harmony, Rhode Island, and that's where that accident happened. You know, just bizarre things. Um, Very unfortunate um, what the Richardsons endured. You know, and you wonder, you know, if it's karmic. You wonder if it's, you know, what is it? What is it? I mean, there's so just so many more questions than answers i don't Man, think we're even supposed to have the answers
0: uh not all of them i mean uh, we we try to we try to get answers for our questions i don't think we're going to get them all but uh, we have one last question here from and there are a lot of questions from the viewers but i'm going to do yeah. this last this <laughs> oh, last i'm one sorry it does relate to family again. no 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 you're good you're good um but from jonathan a andrea do you think you're connected to the house from another life
1: Yes. And that's Jonathan Altieri. And he already knows the answer to that question. (laughs) He's just putting it out there to see if I'll talk about it some more.
0: Well, but you know, it's pertinent for some of the other listeners that, uh, it is, it is. And he knows that. I love you, Jonathan.
1: Um, (laughs) and I love Brennan too. Um, you know, I'm so glad that some of my people came over tonight or we share them. We could just share Mm -hmm.
0: them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yes,
1: I feel that, um, I don't know, it's hard to answer because part of me feels like this is the first and the only time that I've ever been on earth because it all feels so very foreign to me. Hmm. Um, And yet I feel like I have a soul connection to that house. And possibly even based on what I've seen there, possibly um, even a reincarnation connection to that house. I saw an apparition there on the hearthstone of the fireplace when i was 17 years old that was the spitting image of me like mirror image reflection of me as an old woman Interesting. And, oh. you know and i don't know i mean you know there are some people in the paranormal that say you know use words like doppelganger and use words like you know say that spirits can can create the vision that they want you to see of them. Well, you know, I don't know. All I know is that we had the same exact facial features. She had a a head full of gray hair that was as long as mine was when it was a child. And when she smiled at me, um, I I felt a sense of knowing and belonging to that house that I had never felt before that. And when that's... I told my mother about it the day we moved out, she got tears in her eyes, and she said, oh, wow. "I always knew we bought this house for you." Oh,
0: yeah, that's amazing. And and yeah, when it comes to the whole doppelganger thing, what I generally think about that most in most cases is that uh, we're seeing ourselves at another point in time. That's not this like evil twin sort of thing, but we're actually—it's like a, a slip in time, and we're actually seeing yeah. our ourselves. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're at the end of our hour. We're actually oh. past a little bit. <laughs> it oh, went I'm went. sorry. I no, thought we had no till 11. Apologies.
2: I no, would have no. abbreviated <laughs> some of my commentary. <laughs> okay. No, it's the journey.
0: That's right. That's <laughs> right. No, it's always fantastic with you, Annie. And that's why we bring you back all the time is because we have so much to talk about.
1: I know. We always just barely scratch the surface. Right. And, you know, it's... Uh, It's always a joy for me to join both of you. I love you dearly and I thank you and I thank your viewers and your listeners. Uh, And, uh, you know, it is all part of the journey and it's a sacred journey of exploration and enlightenment. So I'm always happy to take that with you, get on that path with you both.
2: Oh, thank Absolutely. you Absolutely.
0: thank you thank and one you more time where people can find you and your upcoming events and i'm going to see you this week in mass paracon which is going to be great
1: i know i can't wait Oh, i'm going to squeeze you to your stuffing
0: pops out
2: can you um, record that record that for us will you i know because <laughs> we only got
0: a few minutes at michigan so this will be i know it'll be great know, to catch I, up yeah i know
1: it was literally a few minutes and one right. really good picture um uh, <laughs> yes um the best way to get in touch with me is to contact my Linny, Lin Ann Bowling, uh, at Buttercup Brigade, which is my fan page. Um, that's my girl right there, yeah, and yeah. uh, and she will always know how to reach me uh, if somebody needs to contact me directly, or if they want books, or you know whatever they want. She's my go-to girl, and uh, or you can just Google my name. I'm on Facebook. I have a main page and then four others: House of Darkness, <laughs> House of Light. Uh, in a flicker, a world awakening, which is my show, um, and yeah, I'm kind of everywhere, omnipresent, so it's pretty easy to find me. Um, and you know, anybody that's listening in that wants to join me on Thursday nights for a world awakening, I do a show with my producer Tony Rathman, who is God's gift to production. I mean, he's yeah, just Tony's amazing. Guy. Yeah. He is. So yeah, I'm everywhere. I'm really easy to find and. Everyone is welcome all aboard the mothership.
0: (laughs) All right. And for those of us (laughs) joining us new tonight, please go ahead and subscribe to the edge of the rabbit hole YouTube channel where Andrew is every Thursday night. We're every Tuesday night. So you can fit us both into your schedules. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, Annie, thank you so very, very much for joining us once again this evening. Absolutely. mm -hmm. Appreciate it. My pleasure. You
1: You too, sweetheart. We'll talk again soon. And I'll see you this weekend.
0: All right. Bye-bye.